So do not miss this new series. Now listen, there are some people, like my mother-in-law, she loves researching the family tree. She wants to know all the nook and crannies, all the stuff, and it's exciting. It's really cool. But so this series that we're kicking off called DNA Match is kind of doing that. It's kind of assessing and comparing us as individuals with the values and the DNA of what makes up, kind of basically what Thrive is, why Thrive is the way it is. And then we're basically going to see, do we match up? Is this where God has called us to be? We do this series where we go through our values every single summer. It's normally in July, so I'm excited as we kick that off. But listen, I've got a very, um, hmm, I don't know if I want to say, like, hmm, it's a very exciting word today that I hope you guys will come back next week. Um, but we'll find out together. But turn me in your copy of God's Word to Colossians chapter 1, verse 19. Colossians chapter 1, verse 19. As you turn there, I've got to tell you something that's super important to my life. Um, and it starts, starts with the letter F. And some of you are thinking family. No, friends, not food. Food. I'm talking about food. Um, I love food. And I grew up in a very small town uh, in North Carolina called Clinton, which is an hour from anything. We did have a Walmart. So if you want to do something, you know where you went? Walmart. You want to go hang out? Go to the parking lot of Walmart. That's just what you do. So for me and my love of food, there's this specific southern delicacy that I enjoy more than anything else. But the problem is, where I grew up at, if I wanted to enjoy this delicacy, you had to plan a day trip. You had to drive at least 45 minutes to get there. And now, living here, oh, there's nothing like living here in the Richmond area. Nothing like living in the Chesterfield area. Because there are multiple of these, and you can enjoy it anytime you want. Except Sundays. I'm talking about Chick-fil-A. Mm. Can we all just take a moment and just pray for Chick-fil-A to open on Sundays? Oh, there is nothing like getting that eight-count nugget and that little tray of Polynesian sauce, it is miraculous. Now, let me go ahead and tell you, some of you are like, Keith, you, you, you're really overselling this. I don't like Chick-fil-A. It's okay. We're going to pray for you. We have a special prayer service afterwards for all you people. But check this out. Sometimes I will order my eight-count nugget. I will open up this cardboard treasure box. And inside is not, not eight, but 12 nuggets. And in that moment, it is nothing short of miraculous. I've even one time it's happened, I went to them. I said, hey, you guys gave me too much. And you know what they said? My pleasure. <laughs> and I said, yes. Yes, Lord, that's a sign. I got something I didn't deserve. I didn't pay for this. I did not deserve these extra delicious nuggets. See, you need to understand how much I love Chick-fil-A. I love Chick-fil-A so much. How much do you love it? This is how much. My daughter, who is 10, when she, her, when she was born, the first restaurant we took her to was Chick-fil-A. One of our first photos of Amaya in this carrier and me pointing at the Chick-fil-A sign. Why? Because I love it. Ooh, it is my pleasure. Every time I... Now, I have something to talk about. Listen, it is more important than getting four extra nuggets, okay? Let me tell you that straight up. And what we're going to read here in Colossians is something that is, to me is extraordinary. And as we read through this, as we navigate through this passage, um, a few things are going to happen. Um, some of you are going to be mad at me. Some of you are going to be, huh? And then other of you, you're, you're going to give me a thumbs up afterwards. But 
So what's happening is you have Paul. He's writing this letter to the church in Colossae. And this is a very unique letter. Normally when Paul was writing a letter to a church, it's one that he's involved with, with starting or planting. And this is not. This is one that he had heard about. This is one he heard about what God was doing. And he actually says to them, I encourage you to read the first uh, 18 verses of chapter 1. Uh, him and Timothy, they're talking about, hey, ever since we've heard about you, we've been praying for you. We are celebrating you of all that God is doing. And then he goes into around verse 15. He starts this, uh, if you will, like this dissertation of the supremacy of Christ. Of how Christ is above all. That everything was created through him, for him, and by him. And one really unique thing is that uh, passage of scripture, they actually, uh, depending upon the translation you have, they change the stanza to where it's actually written like poetry, like you find in Proverbs or Psalms. And it's actually believed that this starting in verse 15, was actually a hymn. So what we're going to do, we're going to stop and we're going to sing these verses together. And I'm kidding, some of you are freaking out. But the importance here, what Paul is doing, is he's actually breaking down and kind of trying to build his credibility. Because he's trying to show these believers, this body of believers, that, hey, I'm for you, we are on the same mission. So he's trying to kind of build that credibility up and He's combating something. Because something that you kind of discover later on in the book of Colossians is there were people that were trying to add to the gospel. They were trying to say that we're saved by faith in Christ and these other things. So Paul, what he's actually doing, he's encouraging, he's building credibility, and he's setting the record straight. Actually, you're saved by faith in Christ alone. It's through his death that we can be forgiven of our sins that we are reconciled to God. So let's start here in verse 19. We're going to read through verse 23. And I, again, I'm excited. I'm, I'm pretty pumped. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. That is incredible. And here's why. Because as you read this, and we think it's, it's him reconfirming that we are saved by God's grace through our faith in Christ, not of our works, as he told the church in Ephesus. Because if we could save ourselves, we would boast about it. We would give ourselves a pat on the back. Oh, I did so good today. Oh, I'm going straight to heaven. This is great. I'm doing fantastic. No. This includes you, and he's speaking to this church in Colossae, but guess what? It's still true for us. You who were once far away from God, you were his enemies separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Our sin separates us from God. Your sin separates you from God. My sin separates me from God. Let's keep reading, verse 23. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. Paul is communicating to this church the supremacy of Christ. That not only is all creation was done through him, for him, by him, but salvation comes through him also. That by faith in Christ, we can be forgiven of our sins. 
We can be, as Paul says here, blameless and without fault. So the purpose in this, as Paul is writing this, is he's wanting to communicate one big thing, and this is what we're going to unpack today, is the fact is this. God gives us what we do not deserve. God gives us what we do not deserve. When I went to Chick-fil-A and I ordered an eight-count nugget, you know I deserved an eight-count nugget. I don't deserve the 12 count. Oh. Do you realize when we do not deserve to have the ability to worship God, our creator, because of the sin that we have committed? We do not deserve to be forgiven of our sins. We do not deserve to have eternal life in heaven with him. Why? Because of our sin. But God reconciled everything to himself through the death of Jesus Christ. We can have a relationship with God. We can, as we worship earlier, as we were spending time in prayer, guess what? God hears our prayers. God is speaking to us. God is guiding us. Why? Because we are awesome. No, because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Because God has given us what we do not deserve, and that is his good grace. That no matter what we have or have not done, God cares for us. God loves us unconditionally. And this is why this is such a big deal. Twofold. One, if you're here with us today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you've not placed your faith and your trust in him, if you've not surrendered your life to him, what that means is when this physical life is over, you're going to spend eternity separated from God. Earlier he said in this verse, he says, he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. You are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. When we make the decision to not follow Jesus, we're making the decision to spend eternity without him. And today, I want to encourage you. That may sound really super depressing. Welcome to Thrive. Let me encourage you. Life in Christ, Jesus said, I came to give life and life to the fullest. Does that mean a bunch of stuff? No. That means something beyond this temporary life that is over in the blink of an eye. In him, we have eternal life. In him, we have forgiveness of sins. In him, we can be blameless and without fault. But here's the other thing on the other side. If you do consider yourself a follower of Jesus, this passage, us knowing that God gives us what we do, it should be a, like fuel. It should drive us. It should push us forward. Because here's what happens if we don't. We take it for granted. Like, eh, grace has always been there. Yeah, God loves me. Yeah, he'll forgive me. We do what, what Paul wrote to another church. He said, you have forgotten the height from which you've fallen. You've forgotten what it's like to be back to this original place of discovering the We have forgotten what it's like to be this brand new Christian. To just be wading into the waters of grace of forgiveness, of realizing and remembering that I can't save myself, but our good God who cares for me in his good grace will. I don't have to earn it. So often in our lives, we work and we try to earn the love of others. We try to earn their affection. We try to earn their respect. We try to earn, let me encourage you, God, we don't have to earn anything. God loves you as you are right now, this very second. And as we follow him, he's going to mold us. He's going to shape us according to what's in Scripture. He's going to transform your life. He's going to give you wisdom. He's going to give you knowledge. 
He's going to guide you to be a part of a community of believers that's going to be there for you in the thick and the thin. People that are going to give you wisdom when you're being stupid. Because let me tell you something, I need some wisdom. There are so many times in my life I've been just been straight up dumb. Jesus came to this earth not just to give great teachings, not just to perform miracles, but to be the sacrifice for you and for me. Because our sin, your sin, my sin, our sin, for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God, it says in Romans, for our, because our sin has separated us from our creator. But Jesus in his death and in his resurrection, he's given us a way that we can be in right standing with God. And why are you harping on this? Because I've been that guy, I've taken it for granted. I've not taken advantage of the opportunities to share the gospel. I've been the guy that sits at Starbucks and God says, hey, you need to go speak to this person. I, they're in pain. You can tell. I can tell that they're suffering and dealing with something. And what do I do? I turn the volume up on my music and focus way more into my laptop. When we recognize and try to grasp the supremacy of Christ, when we wrestle with and appreciate God's good grace and give it, him giving us that we don't deserve it, it is going to push us, it's going to fuel us to make the most of every opportunity so that people will experience and see God's love in tangible ways. When they encounter you, they encounter him. You see, when we make the decision to follow Christ, Jesus said when he ascended, he said, I've got to go so that the comforter will arrive, the Holy Spirit. You see, we're not alone. The Holy Spirit's going to guide you. He's going to direct you. He's going to give you the words to say in that moment. Because you're, uh, uh, you're like Moses. We're like, I can't say nothing. I'm, I'm like stuttering Stanley. I can't. Uh, da, da. But guess what? God will give you the words. God will equip you. Why? Because he's called you. He is faithful. He is just. And one thing I love is when you read in the Old Testament, there's this prophet named Balaam. And God used his donkey to speak to him. That's right. There are talking animals in the Bible. And here's something I've always found encouraging. If God can speak through a donkey, he can speak through Keith Brown. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you face, God wants to use you where you are. And here's why that matters. If you're a follower of Jesus, guess what? Your life is no longer your own. Uh-uh. Yes, sir. Check this out. Paul wrote this to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. He says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. That is the torture and death of Jesus. You must honor God with your body. That's why it matters. That's why this is so integral for the life of a believer is because guess what? Our life is not our own. What I think, feel, and believe no longer matters. And that is difficult because I'm a super selfish person. I want to spend all my time on Netflix. I want to watch the new Loki series on Disney+. I want to just play video games because I'm an immature, grown man-child. <laughs> I don't want to study. I don't want to share the gospel. I don't. <gasps> but guess what? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. God wants to use us where we are to make his impact. So how do we do that? How do we live this out? How do we live 
with this passion of knowing that God has given us what we do not deserve. Because what we deserve is not to be saved, not to have a way to be in right standing and atonement with him. So what we do? Let's look at verse 23 that we just read. He says, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. We're going to take away exactly what Paul was speaking to this church. We're going to do the same thing that he told them. We're going to believe and we're going to stand firm. So the first thing we're going to talk about is believe, because you can't stand firm in anything unless you know what you're believing. So believe. Here's what that means we're going to do. We're going to study and we are going to understand. We're going to study and we're going to understand. We're going to study God's word. Let me break something down for you. And this, this is the part where I said earlier, some of you are not going to like Keith. And guess what? I'm totally cool with that. If this morning, if this is the only time over the last seven days that you have cracked open God's word, if this is the only time over the last seven days that you have worshiped and thanked God for his goodness and blessings that we don't deserve, if this is the first time in seven days that you've actually sought God in prayer, I'm going to be real with you. Your faith in Christ, I don't know if you're going to make it. I don't know if you're going to finish well. Well, how can you say that, Keith? That's super judgy. Yeah, it is. It is. I ate breakfast this morning. You know what? Probably going to eat lunch. You know what? I probably will eat supper. I'll guarantee you this. I'm going to eat lunch tomorrow. You know what? I want to have a healthy relationship with my wife. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to talk to her for one hour this week. Oh, but it's going to be a good hour. We're going to sit there. We're going to be lovey-dovey. But the other six days of the week, I'm just going to ignore her because we have a great marriage. You want to have a relationship with God that is passionate, that is thriving, no pun intended, that is growing, guess what? It's just like anything else. It's going to take a lot of work. We're going to study and we're going to understand. Here's what I'd love for you to do. I'd love for you to hear everything I say on this stage, everything you hear anytime we say anything on the stage. I want you to call our bluff. It's like, mm, I don't know about that, Keith. I'm going to do some studying myself. Please, please, for, for, for the love of everything holy, study and, and, and please dig into this. I want, I want to be proved wrong. Okay, maybe, maybe I don't want to be proved wrong, but I want you to go back behind you. Don't take everything at face value because not everything's true. Did you know that everything you read on the internet is not real? Did you know that? Some of that stuff is fake. Some of that stuff is false. <sighs> Here's what I need you guys to do. Study and understand. Here's what's going to happen. Wait for it. If this is the only time that you've cracked up and got all that stuff I just said, tomorrow, Tuesday, what's going to start happening? Other things are going to be louder than what you're hearing today, and you're going to drift. Culture and the news and what your mom and dad say and what someone else says, your friends are going to drift. If we do not believe, we will drift. If we do not study and understand God's word, we will drift. There's two things we have to ask ourselves. Two things about God's word. The first thing is this. Do I truly value God's word in my life? Do I really value it? Do I really place it on a higher shelf than I do my own personal opinion? Do I really place it at a higher standard than what I hear from my political party? Do I really place God's word at a higher standard than what my parents taught me when I grew up? Do I really place it on a higher standard than what I personally want it to say? 
Do I value it? And here's the second thing. And these are things we have to wrestle with, everybody. Will I allow God's word to transform me? Will I allow it to guide my next step, to shape my life? Because as we follow Jesus, guess what? We're going to eventually read things in Scripture that it might not be what I personally think, feel, and believe. Yeah. Why? Because I'm sinful. There are things in Scripture that have shaped the way I think and see things. Why? Because I'm not my own. So do we want to live this passionate, desired life? Just relishing in the fact that God has given us what we don't deserve? First thing we got to do is believe. We have to study and we have to understand. Here's the, the second thing that he talks about. We've got to stand firm. We have to stand firm. What does that mean, Keith? That means we're not going to compromise. That means as we read, as we study, as we understand... We're going to stand firm that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that no one goes to the Father except by him. We're going to stand firm in what Scripture says about the way we should live our lives. Why? Because everybody nowadays, they say, live your own truth, live your own truth. Guys, my truth sucks. My truth leads me to a path of destruction. Your truth is going to lead you to a path of destruction. But his truth, God's word, his truth, Jesus leads us to a life and life to the fullest. We have to stand firm. Now, here's what's going to happen. As we live this life, as we follow Scripture, culture is going to push against us. It's going to try to say, well, does it really, does Scripture really mean that? And you're going to have this moment, and it's called doubt. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. When I I first uh, started following Jesus, I was told doubt was a bad thing. Doubt is a sign of weak faith. Well, after 20 years of following Jesus, can I tell you that seasons of doubt have fueled and strengthened my relationship with the Lord? They've caused me to dig deeper into Scripture. There was a season where I was trying to complete, I was doubting God even existed. And I started going through this Rolodex of moments in my life. And I was like, ah, I can't dismiss God. God is real. God is truth. God's word is real. God's word is truth. And I slowly began to Peel back these layers. Right now, this hot topic, this hot buzzword is called deconstructing your faith. There are individuals, again, so many, they're in their 30s and younger. That is their thing. They're deconstructing their faith. They're peeling back layers, and they're saying, okay, what was I taught? Okay, what does Scripture say? What did they say, but what does Scripture say? And here's what I will encourage you to do. Doubt forward. And as you doubt, here's what you need. You do not need to isolate. You need to be in a group of believers that when you can ask questions like, hey, I read this and I really don't think, hey, I'm thinking that people that are going to be completely honest with you and love you through your questions. Because it can be intimidating. You're going to ask this and you think, man, if second I bring this up, they're going to start judging me. They're not going to think I'm a believer anymore. Believe and stand firm. Know what God's word has to say. Because as we do this, as we live the life that God's called us to, as we live this life knowing that God has given us what we do not deserve, as we believe, as we stand firm, here's what's going to happen. God is going to use you where you're at to make eternal impact. God is going to use you in the workplace. God is going to use you at the grocery store. God is going to use you 
literally anywhere and everywhere you're at as long as you're willing to be obedient. God is calling us to live a life that is not our own because he paid the ultimate price so that we could be his sons and daughters. I want to read verse 20 one more time that we read earlier. And through him, him being Jesus, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Not by our good intentions, not by our good deeds, not by our biblical remembrance, not by our church attendance, by the finished work of Jesus. You want to have peace in your life that goes beyond your circumstance and situation? Surrender your life to him. You want to have strength to endure? Because here's the thing. A lot of times when people talk about following Jesus, they're like, yeah, everything's going to be great. Every hunk can do it. Check this out. I'm going to like, again, you may never come back to thrive after this, and I'm totally cool with this because this is biblical truth. One of the few things that Christians are promised in Scripture is suffering. If you've heard someone tell you that if you follow Jesus, that your life will be perfect, that you'll never have a need, that your health is always going to be on max, that your bank account is going to be always in the black, you're never going to have... Listen, I can't tell you that. It's stupid. I can tell you this. We will suffer. We will have trials. We will face temptation. But let me give the encouraging side of it. God's grace is sufficient. God is better. God is greater. God cares for us. God loves us. We will have pain in this world. But this, this, it is temporary. And when we make the decision to follow Christ, when we acknowledge that our life is not our own, when we live knowing that God has given us what we do not deserve, it will change the way you see people. It'll change the way you see every circumstance. It'll change the way you see your spouse. It'll change the way you see your friends. It'll change the way you see your estranged family members that you don't want to talk to and you're scared of them because they're just full of drama. But these are tensions that we have to manage every single day. Because we're going to leave here. We're going to be fired up. We're going to be ready. Oh, yeah, man, we're going to get And then Monday's going to happen. And we're going to wake up. And you're going to need four cups of coffee because you went to bed late because you watched that one more episode. And you're going to encounter the everything that we have been speaking against. God is for you. He is not against you. I don't care what anyone tells you. So let's live knowing that God has given us what we don't deserve. He's given us his grace. He's given us forgiveness. He's given us new life. If you will, pray with me. God, as we've gathered, as we read your scripture, as we read this letter that was written to a church that's not this church, God, let us apply this biblical truth to our lives. God, help us to believe and stand firm. Let us not drift. Let us allow you to be the greatest and loudest voice in our life. Let us give you the most time. Let us obey scripture. Let us put our selfishness aside and, 
and follow you and obey you. And God, make the most of every opportunity to tangibly show and display your love and your grace and your mercy. Because our lives are not our own. If we follow you, if we call ourselves Christians, this life is not ours any longer. It is yours. God, help us and give us wisdom of how to use our time. God, give us wisdom when we have to have those hard conversations or the bold conversations when we share the gospel. God, continue to guide our steps. God, give us a passion for you to seek you, to know you, to study your word, to know your word, to let it be hidden in our heart. Father, guide our steps when we leave this place today. Guys, let us pause and reflect on the great gift that you give us that we do not deserve, that we did not earn. As we continue to pray this morning, if, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to let you know that today you can make the greatest decision. And remember, as I said earlier, it's not about what we have or have not done, but it's about what Jesus finished on the cross and by placing your faith in him. God reconciles you to himself. You are blameless. You are without fault. He does not see our sin, but he sees Christ's blood that was shed for us. If you want to make a decision to follow Christ today, I want you to pray this prayer with me and say, God, I admit that I'm a sinner, but I believe that by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, I am forgiven of my sins. I confess that you are Lord of my life. I surrender everything to you. My life is not my own. Guide my steps with your wisdom. In your holy name we pray. Amen.